Hello and welcome to Philosophy Talk. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Ken, the question for today is, who owns ideas? Oh, that's a simple question, John. Whoever creates the idea owns it. That's who owns it. That doesn't make any sense at all. You can own a physical thing. You can hold on to it and prevent others from using it. That's what ownership is all about. Ideas are made to be held in common. You can oh. be the creator of an idea, but I don't see how you can own an idea. Oh, common shaman. Come on, the ownership of ideas is built right into our cultures. You know, that's what patents, copyrights, trade secrets are all about. And you know what, John? That's what enables people to make money off of their ideas. Well, a lot of bad ideas are built right into our culture. Coming up after the news, Philosophy Talk continues. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor, and today I'm joining uh, the conversation from the studios of uh, Hawaii Public Radio in uh, beautiful Honolulu. And I'm John Perry in the home offices of KALW San Francisco Information Radio for San Francisco. On Philosophy Talk, we like to think of ourselves, however, as down at Stanford's beautiful campus at Philosophy Corner, although maybe this week Ken's just as happy to be in Hawaii. Well, yeah, we have a, but, you know, we like to think of ourselves as sitting in a circle. It's just a wide circle today, stretching halfway out into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so, so what are you going to talk about today, John? Today, Ken, we're going to talk about who owns ideas. We're going to talk about patents, but more particularly copyrights, because uh, you and I write books. We're happy that uh, when we write books, we get royalties. Our publishers can keep other people from publishing the stuff, should they want to, at least for a while. But... The whole thing, to me, is confusing. I mean, how can you own ideas? Uh, and doesn't I mean, what, What's the big problem? I don't see what, why is it a big problem. Well, because ideas, I mean, you, I mean to own something is, is to have the right to hold on to it and not let others use it. But what's the point of an idea? You can't hold on to it. It's intangible. And the whole <laughs> point of having an idea is to communicate with others, and, and, and you can get credit for it. But how can you own it? Well, you're right. You don't keep it locked in your head. But, you know, it seems to me, actually, if you think about it, ideas are the paradigm of the kind of thing that you, you own. I mean, t take Locke's theory. John Locke, a great 17th century philosopher, had this theory of property. He says, look, everything starts out not owned. It's held in common. We can all use it freely. How did some, some things get to be owned, not part of the commons? Well, somebody adds his or her labor to it. They work on it. And by working on it, they make it theirs. Uh, like, so if I pick the apple off the tree... I mean, you could have picked it, but you didn't. I picked the apple off the tree. It's mine. Well, that's kind of crazy. I mean, why, you know, that's a crazy theory. But, but it works for ideas because an idea is my creation. It's in my head. I created it. I thought it up. So why shouldn't I own it? Well, what? Ken, I'm glad you pointed out it's a crazy theory. It's a very intuitive theory, but it doesn't really work for anything. And so the fact that it works well for ideas doesn't mean much. I mean, suppose I, I take a... a a can of frozen orange juice and, and, and pour it in Lake Erie, creating a very weak lake of orange juice or a, a, a lake of very weak orange juice. Do I own Lake yeah. Erie now? I mean, well, you're uh, I think that's, I think I've screwed up one of Nozick's examples. But the point point is the labor theory of property isn't very good. So the fact that it makes owning ideas sensible doesn't cut for much as far as you got as a I better theory. You got a better theory of property, or if, give me another theory. Well, let's I'll go, see if I can make that one work. Let's go back to your idea of the commons, or Locke's idea of the commons. We still have commons. We have parks. We have Boston's commons. We have 
uh, things that everybody is entitled to use without asking permission. But but if you just have commons, the the story goes. Look, I mean, I'm go- we have a common pasture. I run one more sheep on the common pasture. It doesn't make that much difference, and it helps me. But so we all have incentive to run as many sheep as we can on the pasture. But none of us really has an incentive to take our sheep off and let the the pasture reinvigorate. So private property is a way of making better use of of what might get worn out and overused if it was held in common. None of that applies to ideas. The whole point of an idea is you don't, the more people use an idea, the, the more important it is. Okay, John, you're on, you're, you're, uh, you have a point. I don't know. I still think there's some incentive to private ownership because, you know, I want to b- exploit my, my creativity. Uh, so there's got to be some incentive for the creator to hold on to the idea exclusively. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you that, that there's incentive. But, uh, you know, our system incentive can easily go awry. Uh, our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Stanton, is going to tell us how wacko it's become in the wacko capital of the world, Hollywood. If there's one place where ideas have always been a hot commodity, it's Hollywood. People have scripts or ideas or treatments or something that they would like to have translated into a production, either a feature film or television. Bob Gordon is an attorney in Marin County, California. He's worked in entertainment law for decades. They would submit these ideas. Normally it would be in a written form to the studio. But two or three years later, there may be some film or television program that was produced and the person who sent in the idea would consider that his idea was stolen and he'd get a lawyer and file a lawsuit. Those cases are a lot less frequent now, mainly because major studios no longer accept unsolicited manuscripts. If they come in, uh, the secretaries or whoever receives this stuff is is, uh, instructed to send it back unopened. And uh, it's a question of uh, potential liability every time they get something if they don't have some procedure to eliminate the risk. It's not as easy to avoid lawsuits over the ownership of music. Even small musical phrases can be owned and defended in court. There is some kind of mythology that you have to use a certain amount, like 10 or 12 notes or something, But I don't really think that's true. I think if you've got four or five notes in a row that are so strong and so recognizable, that's sufficient for uh, liability. And I think there was a case on fly me to the moon using those same notes that ended up in liability, or at least a settlement. In 1971, ex-Beatle George Harrison released this song, My Sweet Lord. Before the song had even finished its run on the charts, Harrison was sued by the copyright holder of this song. He's so fine. He's so fine by the Chiffons. Harrison lost the case on the grounds that he'd, quote, subconsciously plagiarized the Chiffon song. But it took the courts more than a decade to work out exactly how much Harrison owed the Chiffons and their publisher for ripping off the melody. This case, by comparison, was a lot less complicated. In a recording session, one of the musicians just yelled out the word tequila, which found its way into the recording. Tequila. And made a claim, you know, that he was a co-copyright owner because he contributed to the, the piece, and he got a pretty good settlement for that. On the other hand, some ideas are so generic that no one can own them. 
there was a claim one time that never got into litigation, and it was kind of silly, but somebody actually made a serious claim in writing to a television producer that they ought to do a two-hour special with Jerry Lewis. And then later on, there was a two-hour special with Jerry Lewis, and the guy claimed that he was entitled to compensation for giving the studio that idea. And uh, it never went anywhere, but that's the bottom line of a totally undeveloped idea that was submitted to a studio that I'm sure no lawyer would ever accept that case. Well, what about a three-hour special? Or a three-hour special with Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and a chimpanzee? At what point does a generic idea turn into an ownable one? This is Amy Standen for Philosophy Talk. Fly me to the moon. Want to hear more? You can hear the rest of the program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or, for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.